Hey, everybody, we recap how Nikki, no one can beat her. No one can beat Nikki Haley. That's right. Nobody, none of the above can beat Nikki Haley. We also touch on the RNC story and Senator Rick Scott joins us as well. Email us as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Become a member. It's members.charliekirk.com. That is members.charliekirk.com to become a member. Uh, Get involved with Turning Point USA at tpusa.com. That is tpusa.com. So check it out right now, tpusa.com. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Noble Gold Investments is the official gold sponsor of The Charlie Kirk Show a company that specializes in gold IRAs and physical delivery of precious metals. Learn how you could protect your wealth with Noble Gold Investments at noblegoldinvestments.com. That is noblegoldinvestments.com. It's where I buy all of my gold. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. Lots of breaking news, including the Nevada primary, Blake, so this is very confusing. Nevada has a primary, a caucus system. It's all very confusing. What's going on it, It's great. So they, for a long time, they had a caucus system just like they have in Iowa famously. Not a lot of other states do it because it's very weird and cumbersome. You go and you physically gather and your votes, I believe, aren't even really secret because you kind of you caucus to different sides and all of that. And so – what happened is Nevada's legislature, which I believe was Democratic, they passed a bill that says you have to hold a primary. But the Republican Party didn't care for this, not the least because it was Democrats kind of imposing it on them. And so they still wanted to hold a caucus because they can make you hold a primary, but they can't really force you to acknowledge the primary in your party's internal actions. Mm-hmm. So what we have is Nevada's holding a primary and a caucus. And as it happens, Nikki Haley only entered the primary and Donald Trump is only doing the caucus. And so they're like two ships passing in the night. And what makes this so amazing is Nevada just coincidentally has a law that on any election, you have to include none as an option on the ballot. None of the candidates, which is, it's like the YouTube downvote button. It does nothing. Even if, even if none wins, the person in second just wins the election, yes. but it does occasionally set up something like this. And so. As the joke goes, nobody can stop Nikki Haley. Nobody uh, can. Throw so let, up yeah, image we, 43. The results are in. Nikki Haley was hoping she could win. And this wouldn't even get zero delegates. It would just be a um, – it, it would let her claim she victory. won a state. And none of the candidates <laughs> received 63% of the vote. Doubled her. Doubled. So there were 43,893 Nevadans who drove to the poll – polls and said i will vote for no one (laughs) they hate nikki haley so much and by the way just so you understand the caucus is tomorrow donald trump has already won the caucus because he's the only one exactly and it's just going to be a massive MAGA rally everyone's going to show up and say trump trump and but what is the path forward for nikki i mean this is this is beyond embarrassing she can't win a primary where she's the only one on the ballot. It's super embarrassing. And it really, it drives home what we've said, which is the transformation 
of Nikki Haley from, you know, an, a serious candidate. You know, we've got to see how the votes go. You know, there might be a break one way or the other. Or very briefly around Iowa, they're, they're setting up Nikki Haley as maybe Trump's successor, could get the vice presidential nod. Yes. But the longer she's in this, what we're really getting is Nikki Haley as de facto Democrat booster as just a person to distract and tear down the Trump campaign. And I think it's really going to alienate Republicans the longer this goes I, on. I think we have this piece of tape here of John Bolton. So the John Bolton strategy, remember, John Bolton has not found a country that he doesn't want to invade. He famously was – remember he was walking around the White House with a piece of notepad with like 20,000 troops to Venezuela? He, and like someone took a picture of it. it. Whenever there's anything, John Bolton would love to send your sons and daughters into another combat zone – uh, John Bolton never should have been allowed in the White House. President Trump had his reasoning why he allowed John Bolton. He said it was a negotiation tactic, but John Bolton ended up being um, awful and a snake. He wants Nikki Haley to stay in to the convention. Play cut 25. With the losses in Iowa and New Hampshire, is it time for Nikki Haley to get out? Oh, I think she should stay in. In fact, I think she should announce that she's going to stay in through the convention, no matter what happens in South Carolina, where it looks like she'll lose. And the reason for that is I think she can carry the flag for everyone within the Republican Party who doesn't want Trump to get the nomination. Uh, It's an uphill fight. There's no doubt about it. But things could happen in Trump's criminal uh, proceeding. Uh, The audio is kind of strange there. Uh, It might might have been on their end, not our end. But basically saying that he thinks that Nikki Haley should stay in all the way to the convention. Just like we should stay in every Middle Eastern country. Nobody can beat Nikki Haley. Nobody. Nobody can beat her. No one. I've never seen such a humiliating type answer. Here's Nikki Haley. She's raising all this money. None of these candidates received 63.2% of the vote. It's like this will be a trivia question in 20 years. It'll be, oh, Nikki Haley, while running in the Nevada primary and da, 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 managed to lose to whom? And then, you know, you get 10 points if you can remember. Uh, and someone just emailed us, James. No one is better than Nikki Haley. No one's better. Just I, what I love about it, though, is that this goes to show the enthusiastic movement that Trump has built, where people will go out of their way just to say no to Nikki Haley. It also goes to show that this is the death of neoconservative neoliberalism in the Republican Party. I mean, Nikki Haley 10 years ago was a darling of the Republican Party. To say that a decade later, you would have 63,000 people drive out of their way to go say no to her, it's a remarkable philosophical shift in the Republican Party. I'll admit, I genuinely wonder how many of them knew this is what it would be and they were going to vote for Trump and how many maybe just weren't paying super close attention, showed up, oh, the primary day, I'm going to vote for Trump. And they read the list and they just think, what's this? What's this crap? And then they just vote for none on the spot. And I just wonder how common that might have been. No one is better than Nikki Haley. All right, so let's get into the other breaking news here, Blake. And we have Senator Scott from Florida joining us uh, in just a couple minutes. Rana has said she's stepping down. It is official. It, I think it was a long time coming. And I know we've advocated for this. And we've been clear. It's not because we dislike Rana. It's, personally, I mean. It's just the RNC, it's an important job. It needs mm-hmm. to run well. And the numbers are clear. The RNC just had its worst year in our lifetimes, basically. Since 1993. So how do you keep, adjusted. Yes. if you're a fan of a college football team that has its worst season in 40 years, do you keep the coach? Not, not, and not only that, I mean, the, 
Blake, you had the best analysis here, and I will repeat it. You, you RNC should do two things. It should be in alignment with your voters and like your voters and have a good relationship and win elections. Yeah. Both those, that, that's basically it. The RNC does neither of those things. It loses elections and hates its voters. It's unsustainable. So I would be able to live through an RNC and we'd be able to do some adjustments if they love their voters and lost all the time. Yeah, if we just loved everyone there and got a lot, we were totally on the same page of every issue, yes. every candidate, and then the election results were disappointing. We could put our arm around them yeah. and just kind of have some compassion. Yeah. Or if they won all the time and they hated us, we would have to figure that out. They lose all the time and they hate us. Yeah. Let's play cut 42. Mainstream media complaining about Rana resigning. Play cut 42. It's time for a change. What do you make of it? It's a big deal. Days after South Carolina is still only a couple of months before the convention. You don't switch a, a national party chair at that time. Why not? Well, because you care about operations. You want to see how things are going. Now, I think Donald Trump is doing it because he wants to be able to get more money out of the RNC and raise money and make the, the deals that they tend to do on fundraising. But it is going to be whoever it is, Donald Trump's going to choose him and it's going to be awful. And I hope that mm. people pay attention because it will show you that if he were elected president again, he will the type of people he's going to pick only people who follow him. Th that's like a soft endorsement of Rana. Yeah, it's going to be terrible. L listen, Donald Trump is making the right move. The RNC can't raise money. They have no trust from the grassroots. They have no trust from the donor class. And there is a massive amount of infrastructure building that needs to be done here. Enormous. We're nine months out. Nine months, that's, you know, more than that's less time than the distance between yes. when Trump got indicted and now. That's right. A year ago, we did our best to try to get Rana out, uh, try to get Harmeet Dillon. We went to Dana Point. I'll kind of walk you through that again. And a year later, she is stepping down. And one of the main reasons is because there was this massive grassroots movement and you guys deserve credit. You know how many times you've emailed me, Charlie, the RNC just called me for money. I told them I won't give them money until Rana resigns. All those things get back to them. It gets back to them. And you guys deserve huge credit for it. You guys led, you kept the faith. So now we get that sorted out. We have a better chance for victory. I'm not going to say we're going to win, but our chances of victory have improved. Hey, everybody. Charlie Kirk here. When the economy collapses, will you collapse with it? You can feel it coming. All the signs are there. With it comes financial disaster type budgets and sacrifice. Plan for the worst with the best. My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supplies help millions prepare and they'll help you too. Hard times take years to recover from. Make it the first year easier with their one year emergency food kit. Get it now with $700 in savings at MyPatriotSupply.com. Sealed inside ultra-durable packaging, these delicious meals last up to 25 years in storage and provide over 2,000 calories every day. That's over 2,000 calories every day for a year at a special price of under $2,000. This rare emergency food kit deal ends this week. You won't see it again soon. Protect yourself. Protect your people. Start preparing with My Patriot Supply at MyPatriotSupply.com. You are nine meals away from anarchy. You should check it out at MyPatriotSupply.com with free shipping included. That is MyPatriotSupply.com. MyPatriotSupply.com. Rare emergency food kit deal ends this week. MyPatriotSupply.com. All right, everybody. I'll just say this, and you can mark my words. There's something that was made in a lab that is spreading the country. I'm telling you, people are getting sick in wacky ways, symptoms I've never seen. Just... I was listening to Brandon Tatum, who I love. Brandon is such a great patriot. And he was like, man, I have never been so sick in my life. 
And so just there's something goofy out there. Just stay healthy, uh, exercise, get your vitamin D because there is something weird that is traveling the country. And yes, it, we very well might be known as the Lankford virus. How funny would that be if there's like a new COVID and we just call it the Lankford virus? Yeah, we should, by all means. It came from Oklahoma. <laughs> it was made in the Senate. All right, so let's talk about this RNC deal just as some kind of reflection. A year ago, just about a year ago, uh, we went down to Dana Point, California. Uh, Tyler Boyer, who's on the 168, and we shook a lot of hands and talked to a lot of people and tried to get Harmeet to be RNC chair. We are obviously unsuccessful. Many members of the RNC have bitter contempt for you, the voters. They just don't care. And but we didn't give up. And there was this cons- there was this movement of Scott Pressler, who deserves a ton of credit. He's joining the show later. Uh, there was a movement of a lot of different people. And Blake, I think you would agree that Vivek Ramaswamy going on stage and highlighting Rana as a failure, that was a big deal. Definitely. It's usually these leadership posts just don't get a lot of attention. Yes. And it's just it's become more and more glaring because more and more people have pointed it out. And it's gotten so bad that you're getting this news coverage where they just say, yeah, here's the RNC's fundraising numbers. And especially after you adjust for inflation, they're super bad. And it's kind of funny because they want, you know, a lot of the press would want to set this up as a way to undermine Trump. And yet it's also so obvious that so much of the GOP apparatus still despises Trump and goes against him that it doesn't really work. It ends up they try to attack Trump and instead they just enrage huge chunks of the base against their own party infrastructure. Yes. And when Vivek did that, it was a huge risk. Do we have that tape? Can we get it, Ryan? Because I think that this thing went in different chapters. Rana dug in. She thought she won. She thought that all of you grassroots people, you know, you guys aren't. And we we just played a small role at Turning Point. We just, you know, mentioned it here or there. And just it, it, there's other people that really carried the water here. And we, we just highlighted it and tried to keep the drumbeat going. But it really became clear in this last summer when the RNC was leaning into a failed debate strategy, an expensive debate strategy that was completely unnecessary. They very well could have done low-cost debates with online influencers on Rumble or Real America's Voice. They could have done a much more scrappy entrepreneurial, we're going to deploy our resources to ballot chasers. When they were continually adversarial to outside groups like Turning Point Action, it was clear that the RNC has, is not going to change their ways. And that really ticked off the grassroots. And Donald Trump not showing up at that debate was a huge insult to them and really kind of weakened. And their fundraising numbers are abysmal and their spending practices went unchanged. And I hope that you all understand this is a monumentally historic development. Rana does not want to step down. She would love to continue. She's only halfway through her term, right? She's only halfway through her term in the midst of a presidential cycle. And I mean, it's the the essence of who's actually deciding to do what. It's very clear that Donald Trump is pushing for this to happen. And honestly, credit to Donald Trump. You deserve huge praise for this. This is not something that is the standard operating procedure of a party committee. Uh, But Donald Trump wants a winner. And Donald Trump is also looking at the numbers of the RNC. He's like, you obviously don't have the trust of the voters or the grassroots or the activists to you run. You just have the trust of all those flower salesmen. Yes, the flower salesmen love Rana. They, they, if they, they were voting members, they would do very, very well. Um, 
And and now the next point is that Donald Trump needs to be able to merge committees. Now, who is going to be RNC chair? We, we don't know. We're going to be, I think Vivek would be a great option. Laura Trump would be a great option. I think Donald Trump Jr. would be a great option. I think those three people should be totally under consideration. I think you should go outside of the 168 and have a business-minded entrepreneur, real change maker that can move things forward. But understand, everybody, that this is a grassroots victory. This is you that did this. The party is changing for the better. Uh, Five years ago, this never would have happened. And it's also credit to how media is changing. Cable news was just offering cover for the RNC. There was not a critical word that was said against the RNC the last nine months on cable news. But Real America's Voice, Rumble, social media channels, we were able to push forward the narrative and say, that doesn't make any sense. Why aren't you doing this? Why don't you have more staff? And it was this building cascade effect that is going to put us in a much better spot to win for no other reason than to restore the confidence that we can actually have an RNC that listens to their voters, builds party infrastructure, chases ballots, registers voters, and does the necessary things to secure our elections. Okay, Kirk fans, I need you to stop and pay attention to this. If you deal with exhaustion, brain fog, mood swings, or food cravings, if you're constantly getting sick or simply lack the zeal you used to have in life, then I have some news for you. A while back, I found a liquid supplement called Strong Cell, and it changed my health in a very profound way. I take it every single day. Look, I knew I had to partner with them. I did the research. Google and look up online what happens when you mix NADH with CoQ10 and marine collagen. It's simple. Every area of your body has cells. So if your cells are healthier, then you will also be healthier. You don't have to take my word for it. Listen to one of these testimonials. After taking Strong Cell for six weeks, I found improvement in many areas, less shoulder pain, improved mental clarity, increased natural energy, and so much more. I'm thankful that Charlie Kirk recommended this to his listeners. Rebecca says, I absolutely love Strong Cell. At first, I didn't think it would make much of a difference for my chronic fatigue, depression, and anxiety, but I thought I'd give it a chance. I've tried to find depression meds for 10 years, and since you Strong Cell, I'm feeling better than I ever have on depression medication. Customer for life. Thank you, Charlie Kirk, for recommending this product. So there it is. You've heard from me directly and some of the users who have seen their lives changed by Strong Cell. I personally recommend taking it every day for at least 30 days. I take it every day before I go on the air, and it's helped me in more ways than I can even name. Each of our bodies is very different, so I would recommend you give the supplement at least two to three months to see the changes in your body. Go to strongcell.com and learn more for yourself. That's strongcell.com forward slash Charlie. And don't forget to use discount code Charlie at checkout to get your special 20% discount for Kirk listeners. Or you can call 888-596-0155 to order over the phone. That is 888-596-0155 or visit strongcell.com forward slash Charlie. Joining us now is Senator Scott from Florida. Senator, thank you for taking the time. Senator, I, I have to be honest, seeing this mess the last couple of days, I wish you were in charge. You are not. You guys are not being led well. This is a joke. It is a travesty. Senator, just your top of mind thoughts of what has developed these last 72 hours. Well, this is what happens when you have a leader um, that negotiates uh, without telling everybody what's going on. I mean, think about this. If you if you. Would you turn if you turn something over to somebody else to negotiate? They still keep you informed. We don't. This is a bill that you know we nobody knew hardly what was in it. I guess McConnell and and a couple others did, 
They, they spring it on a Sunday night and tell us we have to vote on it Wednesday. It's not, I mean, think about it. They've been doing it since I got up here. Schumer McConnell did the omnibus that way, the China bill that way. They do it all. They give us it the last second and say, oh, now we have to read it within uh, oh, about an hour and we're going to vote on it. So so this is exactly what happens when you when you do it in the dark. And on top of that, well, he, you know what, Charlie, you know what makes you mad? You know what this bill was supposed to be? It's supposed to be a border security bill. It's an immigration bill. What was supposed to happen is it was, this is, oh, we're going to secure our border before we secure Ukraine's border. But guess what? McConnell made the decision that, no, we're not going to tie Biden's hands. We're not going to say he has to do the right thing to get the Ukraine aid. He, McConnell made that decision. And that's wrong. That's what, if you go back to Florida, you know what people want? They want the border secure now. They know we have a lawless administration, so we have to hold them accountable. That's right. So, Senator, you're going to have to help me understand this. They spend months in private and in secret negotiating this. And then Senator McConnell, in a closed door meeting, says the tone of the country has changed. And never mind, we're not going to do this. Do they not care about the tone of the country while they're secretly negotiating? What was Senator McConnell's plan here? Was there a plan? Did he was that a retreat or is it just kind of a sabotage mission all along? For those of us that deeply care about our country and do this for a living every single day, I find this reprehensible. I mean, th- this is this 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 is so distant from how Republicans should be acting in D.C. Can you help me understand? I have no idea why he made the decisions. I don't know what's changed. You know what? I think probably every day Americans are more interested in having a secure border. So nothing's changed except that we want a border secure today. We don't want an immigration bill. Uh, we want a, we don't, you know, we love, you know, legal immigration. We don't want illegal immigration, but we have to get a board secure. So nothing's changed. It's just McConnell didn't have the votes. So he's got to blame it on somebody else. He made the decision not to have a, a border bill. He made that decision. He made the decision to have an immigration bill because he wants Ukraine aid. And then on top of that, Charlie, they put in their $10 billion that the president can use, President Trump, President Biden can use any way he wants, including giving money to Gazans, which goes to Hamas, or giving money to the Palestinian Authority, or giving money to some other humanitarian group. I mean, I mean, think about this. This makes no sense. This is not what Americans want. No, the Americans want funding to help Israel. That's fine. Do that in a clean bill. Americans don't want this Ukraine thing to continue. This is a complete joke. It is a mockery and it's bad for the country. And but more than even all of that is they want our borders secure. So help me understand Schumer is he's peeling it into a they call it a clean Ukraine vote. Is that right? Help me understand the parlamentary tactics. Yeah. going. No, on. It, yeah, it, you know, nothing's going to be clean. So with, what they're going to do is they're just going to strip out the this immigration portion. I'm not going to call it border security because it wasn't. Yeah, no, that's they're going to strip that out. This smart. And then we'll have a vote on Ukraine. And here's what it is. We're going to borrow money, right? We're going to borrow money and pay the you know the government workers of Ukraine, right? We don't have a plan exactly what we're going to do to win, right? I think a lot of us would like them to win, but we don't have a plan. Oh, but in this bill, they after we after we spend the money, they're going to give us a plan, and then there's ten billion dollars to give to humanitarian, which we know. Biden has already given, what, $100 million, but $10 billion, $100 million to Gazans, which is going to Hamas. And 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 we, we also know that the Biden administration doesn't have any idea how to how, how to help Ukraine. They, they won't give them the long-range missiles. If you wanted Ukraine to win, you would actually give them the weapons to win. But that's not what Biden's doing. 
Yeah, and so I need to ask you just because all kind of roads lead back to leadership, as you well know. You did a great job running the state of Florida, and you you guys are just not being led well, and I have some strong opinions on that. I'm going to play a piece of tape here. I was surprised to see it. Senator Cruz is demanding that Mitch McConnell steps down. Play cut 39, please. Is it time for Mitch McConnell to go? I think it is. Everyone here also supported a leadership challenge to Mitch McConnell in November. Uh, I think a Republican leader should actually lead this conference and should advance the priorities of Republicans. And and I stood up and said, look, in any ordinary organization, when you are faced with failure, if you're running a business and you lose $50 million, you don't just say, hey, everything's great. Let's keep doing it. No, you sit down and say, what are we doing wrong? And at that meeting, I turned to Mitch McConnell then and I said, look, we spent the last two years with a group, a handful of Republicans joining with Democrats to pass the Democrat agenda. And I said, maybe that's a good idea. I don't think it is. So, Senator, where is the temperature on a leadership challenge to McConnell? What are your colleagues saying? So, as you know, a little over a year ago, I ran with support of, you know, Ted Cruz and Mike Lee and Ron Johnson, Mike Braun and others. Uh, to say we need to have a different way of running this place because what was happening is they would do exactly what Ted Cruz did. Schumer would write a bill with McConnell. McConnell would get 12 people and they would pass legislation that we completely oppose. And then Pelosi was over in the House and he'll pass it over there and then we'll go to Biden. So it's like it's like we it was just a it was just a, you know, a, a Biden everything. He got everything he wanted. So I said, why don't we all sit down as a group, decide what our priorities are, and then our leadership should play those priorities. Like our priority right now is a secure border. That's not what this is. Okay. Our priority is not to get money to Ukraine with with no strings attached and give money to potentially Hamas. That's not that's not our our uh, the Republican position. But if you look at what McConnell's doing, it sure look at like it's a Republican position. So I ran, there'll be another election. Um at the end of this uh, this year, when we finish uh, our elections in November, uh, so I hope we have um, change. I hope we n- start running, acting like a conference, and we work together. Like it takes sixty votes here, Charlie. It takes sixty votes here to pass legislation. We have forty nine Republicans. If we forty one of us say no, it doesn't pass. That, that's exactly we'll say no. right. I mean, it, I I feel as if sometimes we're living in this country where they have 90 votes in the Senate, we have no leverage. I mean, it's about time that we start to use our leverage and we start to play hardball. You're not going to get everything you want, but you can get something. You can get some concession. So, Senator, I just want to make sure I understand this because this in some ways will be the game after the game after this exhausting civilizational defining election in November. How many votes does it take to get a new leader? Is it a simply majority is that right? It's a majority. Yeah, yeah, it's a majority. So, so we'll see. We'll see. You know who gets elected. Hopefully, we'll get a majority. It looks like we should be able to get a majority, but we're only going to get a majority if we have something to run on. Like we tell people, hey, we're going to fight like hell over this issue. We're going to fight like hell to get secure the border, balance a budget, things like that. If we don't, I mean, it's going to it, it'll be harder for us. Uh, so the um, so yeah, there'll be a, there'll, there'll be an election, and whether hopefully we're the majority, but majority or minority. We will be a, a majority of Republicans will get to pick a leader. So I, I have a couple thoughts on the senator. Number one, you know, we need to all be in touch because as soon as the election is over, 
there's a lot of grassroots interest to get involved in putting pressure for a new Senate leader. And so last time I feel as if they snuck this through and you have my word, we're going to do whatever we can, regardless of how the results happen in November, we need a new Senate majority leader coming in or, or if it's Senate minority leader, I hope not. So we, we have to do that. And also, you know, I get really fired up because some of these Senate, your colleagues, they hate Trump. They don't like Trump. The only way you guys are going to get to a Senate majority is thanks to Donald Trump forgiving the sins of McConnell selling out the entire country because there's 20% of the Republican base or maybe even 30% that will not vote for Republicans. And the only reason they will is because Donald Trump is at the top of the ticket because we have, we have not seen that kind of fighting gusto. In closing here, Senator, what should we run on? What should these candidates in Ohio, West Virginia, Montana, in these critical Senate races, what is the agenda that Senate Republicans can run on? Well, I put out a plan that Mitch McConnell attacked me immediately after I put it out about two years ago. You go to rescueamerica.com because we, we have to run on things. But let's see let's what's important for your family. You want security? All right. You want a secure border. You don't want to be at war. You'd like to have a great job. You'd like to have a great education for your kids and you want to be safe. That's what we ought to be doing and make sure you can afford to live in this country. But with this inflation, look at what's doing to, uh, to families to try to buy health insurance or groceries or cars or houses. Yeah, I just and by the way, I loved your plan. I mean, some of it is you could discuss and some of it. I don't know if I agree with all of it. I agree with 99 percent of it. You were morally clear on the trans issue. You were clear on the life issue. You were clear on the border issue. You were clear on putting the country first. And the McConnell way of doing things, just so everybody understands, is raise tons of money from special interests or people that are somewhat connected to the legislative agenda. Go run negative ads and just go run negative, 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 and do not put forward a forward agenda because McConnell thinks if you do that, you're assuredly going to lose. And then just kind of hide behind some other, you know, excuse. I'm sorry, we need to put forward a positive agenda, be morally clear on the issues that matter. And, you know, Senator, I think that you as one day as majority leader, don't give up is my advice to you. Don't give up. The, I'm not going to give up. If you look at what just happened. That's why Trump's going to win. He has yes. a plan. Trump is going to go fight for things. He was going to say, this is what I'm going to do. And so we have a reason to fight for it. I'm up yes. for election this cycle. I told people what I'm going to do. Win. You're going to win. Yeah. And we, we have your back. I just want to say, Senator, I know that you're not connected with this. I don't expect any response. But showing that the RNC chair can be removed from grassroots pressure, I think, is a harbinger and a canary in the coal mine that McConnell's time is soon up. So please don't give up. Senator, thank you so much. I won't. Great. See you, Charlie. Bye bye. There was a story that we wanted to hit, Blake. Was it the Tucker one? I think w- there was another There's one. There's a lot going on. Yeah, we could talk so, the Tucker stuff. We could talk RNC some more. Yeah, l- l- let's do that. So uh, we were discussing, obviously, Rana apparently is going to leave, but what follows up with yes. it? We mentioned Vivek, Don Jr., some other names. But uh, NBC News does have some reporting today on what other sources are saying, that if the Trump Trump world has more power over the RNC, they might restructure it. And what's interesting is they might literally change how the organization functions. And it might actually leave McDaniel as the chairwoman nominally. Uh, I'll I'll just read this quote. Uh, It would leave McDaniel as chairwoman, but she would essentially be a sort of figurehead. Meanwhile, staffers closely aligned with Trump would also be installed and have significant power over party operations. Under the plan, two Trump-picked co-chairs would be put in place. 
one to oversee fundraising Mm -hmm. and the other to oversee party operations. One source told NBC they named uh, Reince Priebus as a possibility. He's a former RNC chairman. Uh, Other names were Linda McMahon and Steve Wynn. That's the uh, major GOP donor, Linda McMahon, and she ran for Senate a while ago. And then Steve Wynn's a casino guy. They might run the fundraising side. And then they predicted the operation side would be led by Trump advisor uh, Chris uh, Lasavita. Did I say that right? Yep, that's right. That's right. So you probably know all those names better than I do. Yeah, and so that that would be smart. I think you have to reimagine the RNC. You have to put together an all-star finance team, and those names that you listed would be great. And then you have to have a tactical team that can just win over the grassroots. The RNC in its current form, it's way too much consolidated power. If I were to you know design it, I think it's smart. You have a finance division that all they care about is just raising money. And that makes sense because a lot of the money people might not be with us on all the issues, but they want to win. Yes, they want to win. So just you, send you, them off, get the money. Yes, go, go raise money. And then you have a super savvy grassroots warrior that can navigate the trenches um, and you know, be able to uh, you know, kind of go through that, um, that, those layerings of building state parties, register voters – be able to build state party committees, precinct committee, and stuff like that. And we love these sports analogies. It's like an NFL team. You have a general manager and a head coach. The general manager gets the assets. They mm-hmm. figure out what do you need? How does all the money line up? Who gets paid what? And then you have the head coach who's tactical. They, how do we exactly actually get right. the wins? Yeah, front office, right? You have a, front, a general manager that gets the right personnel. And by the way, we're running out of time. So this divide and conquer strategy is is pretty effective. And by the way, we have nine months now. It really is too big of a job for one person. So you have to say you're in charge of securing elections, chasing ballots, registering voters, all the grassroots political stuff. And then you're just in charge of just printing money in a good way. Like, I mean, raise as much money as you possibly can. Ready, set, go. And you need people that are well-connected in donor finance circles that can rewin donors, fresh face, fresh name, fresh vision. They can, quote unquote, sell and or brag on, advertise and share what the grassroots division is doing. But that's basically the divide and conquer strategy that we need. Precisely. So I think it's really smart, actually. And and by the way, it's, it also needs to be something that the grassroots division needs to be someone that small dollar donors trust and they know. That's why I think Vivek would be amazing. Vivek can kind of traverse both of those, those lines because you need the small dollar churn. You need the $10, the $20, and that is completely evaporated. Yeah, it's you are you are rebuilding an organization that has gone through a truly – dramatic almost cataclysmic collapse in both its actual fundraising and in its regard with its base and i think that's a strong point in favor of a pretty radical restructuring it allows you to come out and say you know new rnc new face new party run a different way and that can at least create some excitement and excitement is what you need when you need to get so much money so quickly and they're definitely the underdog no matter what. Someone just emailed us. They said, Charlie, I need reassurance. I don't trust the RNC. I'm very skeptical. Trust for me is key. Until then, I won't give any money. I've been stabbed in the back too many times. And that's a sentiment that we keep on hearing. Let me also read this email. Charlie, I got a call from the RNC yesterday. I told them they wouldn't get a penny for me until they got rid of Rana. They told me on the phone they've been hearing that a lot, but continued to beg. <laughs> I ended the call by saying that they could call me back when she was gone. Just hours later, she's gone. Well, Julie, you're to credit. Julie, you made it happen. I, I hope I hope they actually kept that list of people to call back, but given how it's been run, they probably No, didn't. they haven't. But 
to be honest, you guys effectuated this change. You know, we, we, we just talked on these shows and stuff. The real straw that broke the camel's back is when they were trying to do their phone solicitations and everyday rank and file people said, why is Ron in charge? Why is Ron in charge? They've never had that sort of check and balance from the grassroots, yeah, ever. I'm not going to give money to buy flowers. That's right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Email us as always, freedom at charliekirk.com. Thanks so much for listening and God bless. For more on many of these stories and news you can trust, go to charliekirk.com.